Hello and you're all very welcome to another episode of National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories. I'm Eleanor and I'm joined today by Mark. Hello Eleanor. Hello. And I suppose everyone else who's listening. It's a good thing my face isn't on the podcast. Because I always <laughs> look like I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> they say you should always answer the telephone with a smile. People don't answer phones anymore. I mean, I do. I do. I still use phones because I'm old, but mm. uh, not a lot of people. It's all textual kind of engagements. I'm one of those... I, 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 but I, I, I completely understand the sort of millennial Gen Z point of view, which is that like a phone call is... You know, it does take up a lot of your time. So a quick text, hey, can I grab you for a phone call, uh, is, is, very, is very considerate and useful. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. Maybe I should smile when I'm sending emails. That would help. <laughs> would it help? <laughs> would okay. help, yeah. <laughs> but we're storytellers. And I mean, everything is, a, is about our voice and how we use our voice. Mm. Not just the voice, obviously. There's eye contact. There's oh. how we use our bodies. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, our voices are really important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that when doing, uh, say, the live storytelling that we do, the live streams... Uh, do you find yourself, because obviously we're, we're not telling stories to an audience in person, do you find yourself compensating in other ways? Yeah, yeah, I probably go lean a little bit further into it than I would when there's people there because I'm, mm. yeah, I'm compensating for the lack of the audience's energy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and I know in the early stages of this, I probably leaned a little bit too far, but I've, I've, I think I've pulled myself back quite oh, yeah. a bit. I mean, I, I genuinely, I don't know about you, but I genuinely have to hide my enthusiasm for some of the stories when I tell them. What? Why would you do that? Because I run off with myself. I know the story so well. I know what's coming. I know I have more information in my head about the story than I'm going to communicate. Mm. And you just have to have a thing of pacing myself so that people can, I can bring people along with me, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, it's like if when you're walking or if you're walking in company, mm. you mean your your pace is different. That's very true. But yeah, in terms of telling the stories, it is kind of like, it is a case of kind of reining myself in a little bit. But mm. I can also tell when someone's telling a story that they don't care about. Yeah. And why would you do that? I mean, like, why, why would you tell, why would you choose stories that you're just not into? Well, there is... Just to sort of play devil's advocate, there is a, I guess, uh, if not a canon, then, um, at least in, in, in Irish mythology or folklore, there are stories that are more well-known than others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any storyteller here worth their salt would be expected to be able to know those and tell those. And maybe, you know, it is possible to get a bit sick of telling the same story over and over. Do you think it's like uh, how it is for, for bands when they're playing live and they're expected to, to play their hits, but they want to play their new stuff? Yeah, or the band that had a, like, a one-hit wonder out of a career of years yeah. and people only want to hear that one song. Yeah. yeah, I imagine it's very, very similar. But you can find a new way. And the great thing about mm. storytellers, and it's the same with musicians who are mm. just storytellers in a different format, you can change it up. You can. You can tweak it. Especially when it's live, you can do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. We now, have put a lot of sorry, go on. No, no, go on. We put a lot of um, uh, stock, or we talk a lot about uh, changing the story to fit the audience in front of you. Yeah. And um, one of the main things I learned in my Darklands training 
which was when I was being um, tutored by Paddy, one of the storytellers, to tell stories to an adult audience, um, was that any story, even the most innocent, um, child-friendly story, can be made a Darkland story. Yeah. You know, and he demonstrated it with uh, the King of the Horse's Ears, which I'd only ever heard as a very, um, like... Like a, one of the first stories from Irish mythology that you hear when you were a kid, and yeah. I hadn't heard his telling, his Darkland telling of it, and it blew my mind. Yeah, it's the same. We were recently we were looking at children's books in the office last week or the week before, yeah. And it was Julia Donaldson's The Everywhere Bear, and I mean you can read the words that are on the page, but depending again on your pace and your tone mm-hmm. and your inflections, yeah. you can make it very sinister or very inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I mean, they're all the things you have to bring to the table as a storyteller. And we've had some amazing storytellers in the museum over the years. Yes, indeed. And more to come, which is brilliant. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> no, we haven't met yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, it's amazing that you can still, uh, any st- storyteller can come along and put their twist on a well-known story. Yeah. You know, like uh, a well-known story like the one we're going to hear today. <gasps> <laughs> which is how Fionn became leader of the Fianna, uh, how Fionn McCool became leader of the Fianna, I should say. And this story is told by Andy. Fionn McCool was one of the great warriors of Ireland. He was leader of the Fianna. And the Fianna were all great warriors, skilled hunters, and master poets. Fionn's father was leader of the Fianna before him, but shortly before he was born, there was a bitter feud over the leadership of the Fianna. Fionn's father was killed by one-eyed Gull McMorna, who then took over the Fianna for himself. Now after this happened, Fionn's mother was terrified. What if she, or even her son, was next. So shortly after he was born, Fionn was sent off into hiding. As a youth, Fionn moved around a great deal, constantly looking over his shoulder, fearful of attacks from one-eyed Gull McMorna. But it was Fionn's ambition to one day lead the Fianna, just as his father had before him. Before that day came, however, he would have to become skilled in the three key disciplines of the Fianna. Combat, the hunt, and poetry. And so first Fionn travelled to a mountainside, and there he lived with two druid women who taught him the Irish martial arts. And yes, it turns out there is such a thing as Irish martial arts. I was as shocked as you are. Next, Fionn spent a number of years wandering the wilderness of the Irish countryside, He would occasionally join together with bands of hunters and Fionn became a very skilled hunter in his own right. Finally, Fionn travelled to a beautiful place called Drogheda. And there on the banks of the River Boyne, Fionn studied under a bard by the name of Phinegus. Phinegus taught Fionn to become a master of the art of poetry. And now that he had mastered those three key skills of the Fianna, combat, the hunt, and poetry, 
The time had well and truly come for Fionn to reclaim his birthright and to take back the leadership of the Fianna from one-eyed Gull McMorna, the man who killed his father. At that time, Gull and the Fianna were feasting with the High King of Ireland in his castle on the hill of Tara. And the moment Fionn walked into the room, the entire banquet hall fell silent. The High King turned to Fionn. What is your name, boy? My name is Fionn McCool, and my father was the former and rightful leader of the Fianna. The King was almost speechless at this. Well, I... I knew your father well. You may dine with us tonight, but be warned. We have serious matters to discuss. The King was referring to what had happened on this night. Every year... For the past nine years, a creature was terrorizing Tara. And this creature was a member of the Tuhedadanen, one of the fairy kind. Every year, this creature would emerge from his fort underneath the ground. He would play a siren song on his flute, which would make every man for miles around fall into a deep, deep sleep. And then, with the High King and the Fianna sleeping peacefully... This creature would storm the castle of Tara, breathing fire from his throat and destroying everything in his path. And of course, this fire-breathing fairy creature from deep beneath the ground had the kind of name that would strike terror into the heart of any man. And that name was... Alan. He was a fire-breathing fairy creature from deep beneath the ground and his name was Alan. They say it's always the name you least expect. And so the High King turned to all of the men seated at the banquet table and asked, Is there a champion among us that will defeat this foul creature and stop him from doing further harm to the kingdom? There was absolute silence until finally it was Fionn who spoke. I'll do it, he said. But in return, you must give me what is rightfully mine. The king nodded. It shall be done. And with that, Fionn went to leave the banquet hall, but on his way he was stopped by an old man. This old man was Fiek, the oldest surviving member of the Fianna, who had fought alongside Fionn's father in battle. I knew your father went very well, Fionn, he said, and I have something of his for you. At that, Fiek produced a spear. Now, this was a very special spear. It had been used by Fionn's father in battle, and it was said to possess great mystical power when in the hands of a McCool. It was a spear which was said never to miss its mark. And so Fionn thanked Fiek, took that spear, and went out into the night. A short time later, Alan's flute music could be heard echoing throughout the kingdom, and for miles around, men's eyelids grew very heavy as they all fell helplessly into a deep, deep sleep. All except for Fionn, 
When Fionn started to feel weary, he would simply rest his head on the side of the spear's cold blade. And that great mystical power which the spear was said to possess went coursing through Fionn's very veins, keeping him wide awake. Just imagine mainlining a can of Red Bull. Alan! made his advance on the castle, but was absolutely shocked to find Fionn standing there, wide awake, gripping his spear and ready for a fight. Panicked, Alan turned and retreated back to his fort, but Fionn took aim and flung that spear with all his might. Sure enough, the old man was true to his word because that spear did not miss its mark. Instead, it sailed straight through Alan's heart. Just a short while later, Fionn strode into the banquet hall at Tara, carrying Alan's head on his spear, as a great cheer rang throughout the halls, and Fionn turned to the High King, reminding him of the promise which he had made. The High King was good as his word. Fionn McCool, he said, I hereby give you what is rightfully yours, and I declare you leader of the Fianna, like your father before you. Now at that very moment, every man in the room turned and looked to one-eyed Gull McMorna, the same man who had killed Fionn's father all those years ago, the same man who had led the Fianna ever since. Without saying a word, Gull got up from his seat, walked across to Fionn, and took him by the hand. The two men made peace there and then, and Gaul agreed to serve under Fionn's leadership. From that day forth, Fionn led the Fianna on to many great victories, becoming famous in his own right as one of the greatest warriors that Ireland has ever known. And that was how Fionn McCool became leader of the Fianna from Andy, a Drogheda native. <laughs> you, you couldn't tell that from no. the way you introduced Drogheda. I love how you went in and afterwards, it's got this feel of a, a radio DJ <laughs> yeah. uh, introducing a song. But uh, but they are, and I mean, Andy, with that story, does kind of take you on a, a journey mm. with it. He's so expressive. He's so confident in it. But it, yeah. is, a, it is a story that we all know so well. Mm. I remember when uh, I remember first telling it for the museum because um, for my first uh, for Samhain at the museum as a storyteller, you decided that we all had to know it and we all had to be able to tell it for for Samhain for Halloween week. Yeah. And you like marched me into the well and sat me down and was like, "Tell me the story." <laughs> wow, I come across great. <laughs> In that. But but it is. I mean, it, it it's it's. You know, it's meat and potatoes in terms yeah. of our storytelling. But I've heard so many different variations on it, so many different takes on it. And I love what Andy does when he brings kind of contemporary kind of references mm. into it, but doesn't overdo it. No, no. My, Sometimes you can overdo it and it just sounds cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the story is still so relevant and still so, so important. And of course, Fionn, as he says, goes on to be one of the, mm-hmm. the greatest leaders and one of the greatest characters in Irish, in Irish mythology. Yeah. Though a questionable character at times. Indeed. Indeed. But it's a real coming-of-age story. The story mm. of this boy learning how to be a leader. Yeah. Yes. 
and a leader of a leader of men. It's sort of um, people have in their different takes on the story have different takes on how old Fionn is at this point when he beats Alan. Yeah, because I picture him as like a snotty teenager, like 14, 15 years of age. But yeah. I suppose at the time when you're 14 and 15, you're working, you're contributing to a household. Mm-hmm. But I just think Fionn was always someone who got things kind of handed to him a yeah. bit too easy. Like, I mean, the Sam the knowledge story, you see that he doesn't actually have to learn no, everything. No, he doesn't. And he doesn't even catch it. He doesn't even catch it. He just, yeah. And mm-hmm. the same with this. Okay, he does defeat Alan. Um, yes. Would he be able to do that without the help of his father's uh, spear? You know, but he's he's ballsy. Mm-hmm. He steps up. Yes. Yeah. He's had a bit of an easy ride of it to get where he is, and you see later on in life. Um, yeah, he probably hasn't developed areas of his of, of himself that he should have, mm. which would make him more considerate. But we need to be very careful when we talk about Fionn. Um, the reason we have to be very careful when we talk about Fionn is Fionn is not dead. No, of course not. Fiona is one of the gardeners who is still alive, asleep in a hill for when this country needs to call on him again. Any day now. And Yeah, because it's not like we've been through much in the last, <laughs> I don't know, hundred or so years. <laughs> in the last hundred or so days, uh, we, we could do it as some strong leadership. Yeah. But I don't think uh, Fionn's way of thinking or resolving issues would work too well in this day and age. No. How would Fionn, um, I don't know, sort out the leaving search? He, he wouldn't. He'd just give everyone a bit of magic salmon. Yes. Uh, so they wouldn't have to study or do examples yeah. because they just know everything. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, only examine them in hunting, fighting poetry. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I don't know how many jobs are going in that, in, 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 in that kind of area. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, but again, you can focus, obviously the focus of that story is Fionn McCool. Mm. But there's like, Gull McMorn is such a dastardly character. Yeah. And even in their kind of their interactions after that point where Fionn is, is leader, there's still a bit of contention there. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a grudge. Yeah. I'd say fair enough. He's such a sort of a great foe, yeah. you know, um, you know, because cause obviously they have to work together. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually... Um, Gull does end up marrying Fionn's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that puts, you know, that sort of cements their, their connection um, a bit better. But it's, you know, it's still like if, you know, would you work with the, um, with the person who, I don't know, kills a parent of yours? Uh, no. 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 Um... <laughs> I suppose you could sort of take it to your employer or your employment tribunal and say, I don't think it's fair that I have to work with this person. They keep rubbing it in my face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they're my boss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think I should be the boss just because of that fact. <laughs> yeah. But it is weird when you try to, uh, uh, you know, apply modern morals and ethics yeah. to these stories. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. I mean, these these have these things wouldn't happen, but I think to tell them and to celebrate the bad behavior in the stories isn't right either. No, I think now what would have been a story that was a great story and a champion story, you can now look at them as cautionary tales. Yeah, it's like here's here's what not to do, mm. here's how not to behave, um, and I, I think that's why I think our stories will always be relevant. Mm-hmm. There'll always be a different way of looking at them. 
mm-hmm. but they're still just always going to be as important. Mm-hmm. That that's very true. This story is one that's more, I guess, sort of clean cut in that respect. You know, the hero is Fionn, and um, Fionn doesn't in this story end up really hurting anybody except the fire breathing monster. But even that's, I mean, sorry. I, <laughs> no, I mean, oh, even the, even the term monster. I mean, Alan, and yes, he, it, is a, it is an unusual name. Mm. I have found myself pronouncing it differently when telling the story, depending on my audience. Oh, giving it a bit more Irishness. Irishness, yeah. All, it's all in, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's where I'll go with it. But a lot of storytellers do get a kick out of the, hey, his name is Alan. Uh. Oh, yeah, it's a great, even when you're telling a really tense version of that story, mm. it's a great kind of, releases the pressure a little bit yeah. but if you think about it Alan and this this fairy otherworld creature fire breathing mm. otherworld creature um, was one of the earlier inhabitants mm. you could argue that they have more of a claim on the land and especially a, a site like Tara than the humans who have taken over indeed you know it's mm-hmm. the idea of well let them go where they want to go if that's the natural order of things mm-hmm. then yeah. yeah, maybe that's... I've never heard that story told from the perspective of, of Alan. Maybe that'll be the next podcast, or the next live. Oh, that'd be we a should bit do of, that, Mark. No, there'd be a bit of work to do with that, because like, what's he doing while that's going on? Yeah, what does he do all the rest of the year? We'll have to look into it. Yeah. But there's so many of our characters. Okay, Fionn, you can follow from his like his life as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, right through... Well, well, right through until he disappears into the mountain, I suppose. Um... But there's so many characters that are just kind of like one-offs. You don't... There's not a huge amount of background with them. I know me and you talked about that recently with Quilch McRonan. Yes. Um, and even, is it um, Nisha in... In Deirdre of the Sorrows. Deirdre of the Sorrows. It's kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In that, okay, I've only seen two Marvel movies, and one of those was Edward Norton's Hook, right? Which is a while ago. But what I've sort of gathered is that they're mostly about Captain America, but there's a load of Avengers, and most of them have gotten, like, their one film. And that's what... This, <laughs> this will be one of these tangents that we have to edit out if I engage with you on this. But I do, I do get your point. And I mean, there is that... There is that kind of like, mm. they bring flavour to it. You, yeah. You couldn't have it without them. And I find when I watch a lot of shows mm. that I generally like the secondary, the supporting characters. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's why there's an award for like best supporting actor, you know, mm-hmm. best supporting actress. But the, the Fina doesn't get to be just this faceless group of warriors, you know. No, no. I wonder if they're still hiring. Actually. <laughs> Who would it be made up of now? Oh gosh! Because um, I, I mean, because when you look at it, and like when we mm. see reference to the Fina later on in stories, and you have like the shouty man, yeah, <laughs> the fast man, the fast man, like mm-hmm. it, it, they do. I suppose they're very similar to a bunch of superheroes. Yeah, they had their different skills, and not even necessarily superheroes, but like you look at the A Team, mm-hmm. they all had their different skills that they that they brought to the table. Yeah. And I do know that, like the two of the Danon, the gods were depicted in the Marvel comic oh, yes. universe as well. But um, yeah, we we need more. We need more kind of platforms for Irish characters. Mm. There's been talk for so long of a Ku Cullen, you know, movie. I just I I'm not keen on the Ku Cullen movie, even though I think it would do, you know, 
great things probably for awareness of Irish mythology, but I think we might just all end up disappointed. Yeah, but <laughs> that's fine. That's where I'm most comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I've um I've a question for you. Go on. That that um if you were a member of the Fina with like your one defining skill that that helps you be a warrior, what would it be? I'd, I'd like the shouting thing. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah that'd be great. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to shout. Yeah, yeah that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be great for you, yeah. You're a loudmouth. Um, <laughs> well, I hope when you were thinking to ask me that question, you prepared an answer yourself, because I'm, I'm hitting it straight back at you. What would be your defining power? What would be your, what would you be known for? Oh, God, I think um, I hadn't prepared an answer. Um because this is this is this is live and free flowing conversation, spontaneous conversation. Yeah, you're buying yourself time thinking of an <laughs> yeah, answer, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, um, but I can just edit that. Um, you see, this it's not only your one defining trait as it would be in like a cartoon, but it's your one defining trait that you'd be a member of the FINA that would help actually help the FINA. Yeah. So I think uh, hiding. Hiding? Yeah. Okay. No one be able to find me. And if someone, <laughs> yeah. if someone wanted to, like, you know, um, hide something or someone, it'd be just as simple as, like, go with Eleanor and no one will find And no one will you. ever be find safe That's a cool kind of skill, like yeah. a chameleon, just <laughs> blend into a background. Well, you know, children should be see, should be uh, neither be seen nor heard. And... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and like, why shouldn't, you know, uh, what makes adults so special? Maybe who wants to see us? Well, it was the, the ability to pass amongst the crowd and stuff like that was uh, was a skill that was utilised by a lot of women during revolutions. Mm. And you think, yes, indeed. And it's actually very strangely, um, I was watching Ocean's 8 recently. Mm. And the reason that they wanted to keep it all women on the team was that women could go work. Like, they were, it wouldn't be questioned. Mm. You know, they, they blended in easier than the men did. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I have another question for you, Mark. Oh my God, this is turning into an interview, Eleanor, but I will answer any of your questions. Thank, thank, thank you. Um, Fionn becoming leader of the FINA is, as I said before, um, you know, where this, this boy, montage style, learns the skills he needs to lead Ireland's greatest warriors and to become, and become an inspiring leader. And um, I don't know if you folks listening to this podcast have picked this up over the last while, but um, Mark is my boss. And <laughs> okay. Well, okay, not, okay. Well, you're the experience manager. Yeah. So you yeah, manage I, like the staff and visitors experience. Of working here or visiting here. Yeah. yeah. To put it in, you know, just summarize very quickly. Are you challenging me for leadership of the, of the museum? Is that what, no, is I'm that asking what you, like, um, as, a, as a leader here, what did you have to learn to become a, an experienced manager? Do you know what? Actually, there's a lot to learn from Fionn McCool in that how he is, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really easy. I suppose we, we've talked before about maybe we need to do episodes or do lives where we talk about our own experiences within the museum. But when you're like an experienced manager, like running, you know, a, a place like the National Leprechaun Museum, you just have to facilitate. You kind of just have to like put the right people in front of the right job and just 
sit back and ready any kind of course correction that's needed or or lend your your own experience to it mm. um it's 11 years now we're coming up on since yeah. museum opening or, or being here so but I, like i can't teach eleanor i can't teach you how to be more you mm. but um so yeah it's, it's just a case of like kind of allowing people to use those skills that they have mm. that's probably what i've learned and, and fion does not do that no, I think he could delegate a bit more. Yeah. He absolutely could delegate a little bit more. Mm. And let people shine. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't really get challenged too much for his leadership. No. Uh, but I think you want people to pass you out. Yeah. You want... Like, we've had some great storytellers who've who've left the museum and go on. And, like, kind of... Like, we, we so many of us kind of still keep in touch. And you want to see people succeed. Mm-hmm. That's what it's actually about. Like Fiona, the reason I think Fiona is still alive is he's just too ignorant and bullheaded to actually give up his leadership of the Fina. Yeah, I suppose there wasn't um, an easy retirement. wasn't such a thing then. Maybe you being no. passed out as leader of the Fina oftentimes meant, like his father, being killed for the leadership of the Fina. Yeah, but even that, like Gull McMorney is is seen as a bit of a villain. Mm. But when faced with an option of here's someone who's earned the right to lead, mm. will you follow them? It's like yes, I absolutely will. Yes, he's very gracious. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and again, we've looked at how Gull McMorney is not a, potentially not a, a bad guy. We've looked at how Alan, the fire-breathing otherworld creature, potentially not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose we're all a hero and a villain, like depending on how you look at things. Of course. Wow, we learned a lesson Yay! today, Eleanor. There was a message <laughs> and a moral uh, potentially to this. Uh, and so graciously kind of facilitated by the beautiful story told by Andy. Yes, indeed. That was a real nice telling of how Fionn become lead, became leader of the Fiona. And we can say that because it's such a popular story. We've heard it quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, you can't grow up in Ireland and not have heard that story at some no. point. Yeah. And that's it. Like, I mean, if anyone had any specific stories that they wanted to hear from us or, or people that they wanted to know more about, we're always open to telling the stories and discussing them, whether it's on a podcast like this, whether it's on, I don't know, one of our lives on Instagram mm-hmm. or Facebook um, or, or even written down, talking about stuff in our, in our newsletters. Yes, indeed. Or in our videos on, on YouTube, our talking videos, where we talk through different um ideas and um and yeah we focus we we, we have but it's we're doing so much yeah there's so much to do we're never going to run out of content we're never going to run out of enthusiasm the love for the stories and and like we kind of hinted that earlier on or suggested that there are are still so many storytellers to join the museum Mm -hmm. who bring their own flavor and their own skills eleanor Here's a mad one, like kind of like for I was finishing this up with an idea. There are storytellers for the museum who aren't born yet. Whoa. That, that's how confident I am that the museum will continue to be a success. Even through <laughs> these difficult times, mm-hmm. there are sto- storytellers who are not born yet. Wow. As I say, in March it'll be eleven years since the museum opened. Yes, indeed. We'll have to plan something. Like like Adele would be the youngest person who was in the museum at nineteen, so she was eight years of age. 
When the museum started. When the museum started. God, I was, I would have been 14, I think, when the museum opened. Similar age to Fionn when he became leader of the FINA. Yes, indeed. Maybe you should have gotten in touch back then. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be my boss then. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, I said, yeah, not really thinking about it. And then I thought, oh, got to commit now. Yeah, that's it. Listen, whatever way you need to take me out, I'm okay with that. It gets a bit biblical in here sometimes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll leave it there then on that note. Uh, hopefully you will hear both myself and Mark on the next podcast. We'll both make it to the next episode if one of us doesn't take out the other first. Mm. And uh, in the meantime, uh, please uh, follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, share it with your friends. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a quick review, if you enjoyed it, uh, that would really, really help us. Thank you so much. And in the meantime, also, as we said earlier, we are doing live streams twice a week on Instagram and Facebook. We have our monthly newsletter. We're making videos, our talking videos on YouTube and Facebook. And we're also bopping about on social media. So follow us there as well. Um, the museum is still closed, but we hope uh, you'll be able to join us when we reopen safely. And until then, we're still telling stories. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Eleanor. Oh, of course. And thank you so much, Andy, for telling us that story. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.